Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, with you here with you, and I am joined by my brother Aaron, of course. Hello, everybody. Hola, everybody. And uh, this week on the show, we're going to go back, back, back in time and, and review a Clash of the Champions, which... Yes. Before we before we get into the specific one, when I was younger and you were younger, Clash of the Champions was this cool thing because yes, it was awesome. it was it was it was like before Raw, you know. I, okay, what do I want to say? There was live wrestling on on a weeknight, you know, at like eight o'clock. And I don't know. It was just yeah. it was it was always cool. And I had like main event matches, you know, main event talent. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't just um, like your squash shows. Yeah, and it was cool because we um, we were I don't want to say we weren't like you know poor or whatever, but we we were in a raised by a single mother in our house, and she wasn't gonna drop you know even though it was they there weren't like you know a pay-per-view every month or two pay-per-views every month or whatever um she wasn't get our mom wasn't able to and wasn't able to drop 30 bucks for a fucking show you know what i mean right. so it was kind of like it was kind of like our it was kind of like our pay-per-view like oh this yes because we we, we watched pay, we watched pay-per-views through scramble vision yes. but um yes to be able to see like live like i said you know not not just your stand and the, the squash the squash shows were great back then we loved those too and and but prime time you know prime time was on every monday but all those all those matches were in the can from around the country um so that was cool enough but clash like i said it was it was your live fix of professional wrestling with main event matches and just to you know and i even have okay so before i get into it the clash that we are reviewing is the clash of the champions eight it is the fall brawl 1989 september the 12th 1989 and it is i believe in south carolina yes columbia. carolina yes carolina coliseum in columbia south carolina and the first note that i have speaking of 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 nostalgic feelings it's that classic Clash of the Champions opening. That music yeah. that doesn't leave your head. The image of the belts. Yeah, that's what I said. That's one of that's one of my first notes is the Clash mm -hmm. of the Eight Champions opening, showing them cool old school belts. Like they, they like belts had a the belt itself was a character. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it. Yep. It, it, not, they all didn't look alike. They. Like WCW did it kind of cool too because like not all of them were gold, you know what I mean? Like right. the secondary belts, the secondary belts were like the the they were silver, they were bronze, or whatever. Like I just thought that were, that was cool. Yeah, I believe the TV title was silver. Yes, that that TV title. Eventually, they yeah. have a gold TV title, but during this time, the TV yeah. title was silver. Yeah, just like when the belts, old belts, now they're just, I don't know. My favorite, my favorite. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, my favorite belt of all time is the is the uh, Gold Eagle. You know, the, yeah. the WWF Championship that Hogan and Savage wore. But other than that, most of the cool belts WCW had. The United States title, yeah. the United States title was cool because it was, it was, it had its own unique shape. You know, yeah. for the, for the. 
for the for the uh, uh, plates and yeah. But um, yeah, just like I said, now the belts they either try to get like too artistic with it, or it's just bland. You know what yeah, I mean? It's generic. Yeah. 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 Which I um I know we're not talking about new stuff, but I heard Hunter's like, yeah, hey, we're gonna change some of these belts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, just because and 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 everybody knows how that I can be sometimes critical of AEW, but to be honest, just because of the uniqueness of it, probably the coolest looking belt right now is their world championship. Because it's different. Yeah, but it's big. I guess it's too big. I don't know like that it's that, any bigger than the big like, gold belt, though. It's it, it. It reminded me of that big ass fucking belt Magnum TA had. had. <laughs> yeah, was that the Western States Heritage Championship? No, that was the uh, the Mid South Championship. Or yeah, one of the Mid South belts. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It was huge. Like it went up, like it went up to his nipples. It seemed like <laughs> it's fucking huge. Gotta carry this goddamn thing through the airport. <laughs> well, I guess back then working for Bill Watts, no, no airport, just driving. But yeah, I'm just driving. Um, Fucking up the so, in the back of my car. <laughs> so the, like I said, the classic opening here for the Clash of the Champions, and then they show footage of the great Muda and Terry Funk beating up Ric Flair. Um, and we're gonna get to. I'll get to a comment. I'll get to a comment about that later about Flair in this show. But pleasant surprise: the commentary team for this show is Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. They didn't yes. work together enough. They were a great. They were a great broadcast team together. I agree, and um, Cornette did a good job of not being when he was on commentary. He wasn't heel, Jim Cornette. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, yeah, he was he was color analyst Jim Cornette. Yeah, like he still kind of he still sided with the heels a little better or whatever, but he wasn't just full blown heel. It was just he 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 did a really good job at it, and I don't think he gets talked about enough when it comes like when yeah he's a great manager, probably top three greatest managers of all time. But he doesn't get enough credit for his booth work. I agree. I agree, and. uh he, at this point, he's not. He's getting to the point where he's not particularly happy with WCW. Um, but he does. He does a good job. Like Aaron said, he does a good job. Not not healing it up too much. You know, he's not going into like Bobby Heenan or Jesse Ventura territory. But he's also not completely playing straight man because that's Jim Ross's job. And like I said, that's why. And that's why I like them together. You can tell they're friends. They have a good chemistry. Um, they work well off of each other. And then add to that mix. Not only do you have JR and Cornette on commentary, but doing your interviews is fucking Gordon Soley. What a broadcast team here for WCW yes. at this time. Um, the only thing I noticed about uh, Soley was they had him really, um, they really kicked on the makeup on him on this thing. Looked like a puppet. <laughs> puppet Soley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you notice that? I bet if I went back and looked, I, I may not have been paying as much attention. But if I bet if I go back and look, I'd see it because there were all, there were times, a lot of times too, that I notice when he's 
I don't know what it is about him, and I'm not I'm not criticizing. He still did a great job, but sometimes on some of this WCW stuff, he almost ha- has like a deer in the headlights kind of thing going on too. You know, like when they first come to him on camera, he said, I can't, <laughs> this is an audio show. You guys can't see me, but he's just like, that's right, JR. Like he's just yeah, caught yeah, I mean, surprise. It's, it, I don't want to say he's out of his element, but it was a different, mm-hmm. it was a different style than what Gordon Soley yeah. did. You know what I mean? And then like mm-hmm. later on, like when it started to get, it was, it's, cool having Gordon Soli around and stuff, but it's also weird that like Gordon Soli's talking to Norman the lunatic and, and just, you know yeah, what I mean? I guess that, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm, what I'm he's getting at. Like he's, like, he's what, out of you, like you said, he's out of his element. Yeah. Like when he would do the, the WCW uh, wrap ups or whatever, he'd have to be like, uh, Big lumberjack, big Josh, and he's like talking about PN news and all this shit. He's like, what's going on? Gordon or, or, when he, fucking... or when he went back, or when he had to do the thing where he was like, I'm here outside the locker room of Robocop. Yeah. Like Gordon Soli hyping up Robocop. <laughs> it's like, no wonder he's drinking so much. <laughs> yeah, this is, I was going to say, this is the complete opposite of what Gordon Soli should be doing. Yeah. Well, on this show here, he starts out, he's interviewing Gary Hart on rumors about problems within Gary Hart's camp. They say Gary Hart's camp like 700 times on this show. And uh, Gary Hart's talking about, because the main event is supposed to be Ric Flair and Sting against Terry Funk and the Great Muda. And, um, of course, Gary Hart has to say at least three times during the show, Ricky Flair. He always called Ric Flair, Ricky Flair. Ricky Flair. You, you Ricky Flair, and you Sting. I don't know if it was. Like a, I don't know if he was like ribbing him or what, but shit, he'd even call him Ricky Flair when he'd come through world class and fight one of the Von Ericks, you know. He yeah. he just always like, called him Rick, Ricky Flair. I don't see why they wouldn't have liked each other. So I think it was just the I think he was just ribbing him. Like I never heard anything of like Gary Hart and Ric Flair having a having heat. Having heat now and just me neither. Probably just fucking with him. Like I'm gonna call the champ Ricky. Just do that. <laughs> do you know? I don't know at this time because we're going to get to it. But F- F- Terry Funk is um, is not going to be in the match. Uh, we'll get to that though. But do you know was he legit injured at this time, I, or was I believe so? Yes. Okay. Okay. Because I mean, he does show at the end, and again, we'll get to that. But I didn't know if he wasn't in the match because he was legit injured, or they just wanted to do this angle. Um, I don't think it was as severe as what it was, but it's probably just he probably just couldn't work. The first match that we get out the shoot here at Clash of the Champions 8 is a hard-hitting tag team match with two really good teams. It is the SST versus the Road Warriors. The Samoan SWAT team versus the Road Warriors. Um, essentially, it's the Head Shrinkers versus the Road Warriors. But... Yes. The um, of course, Polly Polly Dangerously is the manager for the SST. Paul Ellering in the corner of the Road Warriors. The Road Warriors in their black spike, well, their black uh, shoulder pads with the spikes. I, I always like that dug that look for them. Yes, um, the black the black shoulder pads were the best shoulder pads, and they were 
they were a group of guys that like i know i we just talked about it before people like oh they were better when they weren't in the wwf they were better when they weren't in the wwf in my oh, yeah. opinion yeah. Like, wwf like cleaned them up and their their shit was all shiny and everything like that when they were in wc when they were nwa wcw they were gritty and bad like badass and their shit wasn't polished you know it's just yeah. i enjoyed them better there um there's you remember there, what, there's oh good just gonna say you remember what the samoan spot team's actual music was no they came out to the theme of hollow from halloween the halloween movies now that you say it now i remember it yeah it was always cool i was like ah oh, that's cool i wish they could use that they did their wwe network version of it but it was like but yeah they i just i just thought it was kind of cool they always just came out to the theme of halloween i don't know why but and they were cool with paulie like for some reason it worked the psycho yuppie with these two why wild, yeah, wild samoan characters yeah just worked for some reason but i agree with you about the road warriors and the wwf um not that they stunk or anything but they just weren't they weren't they weren't the road Warriors. and vince didn't call them the road warriors but um i think that they still would though that was the annoying thing like they would call it like in commentary like they'd be like oh here comes the legion of doom road warrior hawk and road warrior animal then the match would be going on they'd be like oh the road warriors are really picking it up here it's like why don't you just call them the road warriors good god <laughs> The uh, anyway, yeah, the, they yeah, and they I don't know we're we're not talking about that, but that, that's 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 a, a fair point to make. They, I think in, in the WW in, in WCW slash NWA, and I don't know if this is going to make sense. I don't know the word I'm looking for. The Road Warriors was a persona. In the WWF, Vince looked at it as a gimmick. I don't know if that even makes sense. What I'm saying, but, yeah. You know, because Vince was always thinking about how can we merchandise these people? How are we going to put them on a T-shirt? How are we going to make action figures? You know, so it was it was yeah. more. I think that's why sometimes things got more gimmicks and stuff got more clean. I guess when they went to the WWF, just because of that, because he's thinking of of merchandise and things yeah, like that, whereas also, the NWA is just thinking of wrestling. He also didn't want people to, how do I say it, be similar. Or even be perceived as similar, and I understand. Like I, I get it. Like he was like, we are, you know. So I, I get that part of it, but it's just like you're still calling on that anyway. Yeah, but but that we're getting into the weeds on that. This this match is really good. I enjoyed this match. It was hard hitting action, and the crowd's fucking hot, man. Yes, there aren't. I, I don't know. I just, I watch old wrestling and I'm like, God, there are no crowds like this anymore. And I'm not saying we don't have, you know, now crowds, crowds want to be a part of the show instead of enjoy the show. Yeah. They, want, they want their, and, they want their chant. They want their chant to get out there and everything. Whereas these people were just there to watch the fucking wrestling. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, they're in big ass buildings now and everything. And, and the, bigger the building gets the more you lose that you know mm-hmm. like this is what like probably i'd say four thousand people or whatever in it's this like 2600 like 20 see even even less than what i thought like 2600 people in this fucking building and there's not a bunch of like um 
not big like I don't know, like big and everything like that. It's just that it, it, there's not a lot to get lost in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when the wrestlers talk about working, working in working in those stadiums. They don't know if the crowd's into it because all the fucking noise goes up. So it's like yeah. you don't know if they're actually digging what we're doing or not until the fucking thing's over. And then you go back, and the people in the locker room are like, "Man, the people are eating it up." <laughs> Shawn Michaels, I didn't hear a shit. I didn't know. <laughs> Like I said, good match here. The LOD go, or the Road Warriors go over. Um, I enjoyed it. Paul Ellering destroys uh, Paulie's phone after the match. And um, yeah, I mean, overall, good match. Great way to open up the show. I agree. And it was a good hard hitting match. They didn't slow down. It was a good match to open up, you know, got the crowd going. And Paul, Paul dangerously, he's obviously on the fucking Mount Rushmore of managers. Ellering did it. Everybody did their job good in this. And you could tell that the Road Warriors um, um, respected Fatu and Samu too because Hawk Hawks, Hawk did a lot more selling than what they typically did when they were in the NWA in this match. Like, yeah, in my opinion. And plus, it's like, for, for one, they like I said, they probably respected him. And secondly, they were probably like, eh, these two guys might not be able to. These two guys might be able to, like, you know, give it to us. Like, we get, you know, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're going to fuck around and find out. You know what I mean? Might, might get some receipts from these guys. Yeah. After the ma- after that match, um, <laughs> I wrote down here jokingly, there was an ad for Halloween Havoc that made me uncomfortable. Oh, that's in my notes. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> okay. So let me give everybody, let me give get everybody in the, in the scene here. You have you have wrestlers like Sting, Lex Luger, I don't know who else. Sting and Lex Luger pop into my head immediately, and they're standing over you, going, "It's coming." <laughs> yes, it's, it's fucking coming. weird. And Ric Flair says it, but he says it with like a with like a ghoulish voice. And I wrote in my notes, if I never hear Lex Luger, uh, Sting, and Ric Flair say it's coming again, it won't. It, it, it'll if i never hear it again it'll be too soon like <laughs> but yeah just the, say they got like one well, like i said the worst part is especially with the sting one they've got like the camera looking up at him so it's like he's looking yeah, down like, at you oh, no no <laughs> but leave anyway, it in there I'm, <laughs> I'm glad i'm glad we both caught the same awkwardness on that but gross <laughs> up next it is the debut in WCW of the Z-Man, Tom Zank, as he faces the Cuban assassin, who is always a good hand, um, Fidel Sierra. Z-Man, question, overrated, underrated, or properly rated? I will say he, I don't want to say it. I enjoy I enjoyed Tom Zank's work. I say enjoyed because he passed away, but um, I don't, I wouldn't put him in any of those. I, I label him as miscast everywhere. He went, he was miscast in my opinion. That guy should have been, he should have been a fucking heel and, and either had like, either had somebody like Paulie with him or um, like Missy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like either have him with like the the shittiest manager that you can have, or like the hottest chick, so he can he can be the the good looking cocky guy, and um, 
not only is he saying that he's good looking and he's cocky and he's that and the other thing, but he's got the hottest chick on the show. So he's like, if you don't believe me, look at the chick I'm with. Then you guys all want my body and you want my woman. You can't have either one of them. But he, he was always just a smiley baby face and didn't work. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that because I've thought a long, I've thought for a long time, obviously for a long time because it's fucking many many years ago. But I, I'll go back to '87 and the Can Am connection with him and Martell. I'm not saying it would have been the exact same thing. I'm just using it as a as an example, or as you know, like an example or or a prototype. But I think that Martell and Zank could have been like a Chris Adams, Gino Hernandez kind of team in yeah. the WWF. And, and it's kind of like instead of the smiling baby faces. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I'm never saying anything bad about Rick Martell, especially as a worker. But like Rick Martell as a baby face, yeah, he's gonna have a great match and everything, but he's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he could he, not that he couldn't cut a promo, but like he, he didn't. He had a he had he spoke broke. I don't say broken English, but he had that accent. You know what I mean? And it, and his accent worked when he was the model. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm this I'm that. You know, but like when he was like okay. a face, get my good like side. That. No, no, get this yeah, side. Like, this is my good side. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it worked even better because he had the accent. But when he was a face, he was always just kind of like. You're gonna have a great. He's gonna have a great match, and he's not gonna do anything bad. But he was just kind of boring. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And, yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with you about Zink. That's kind of how I feel about Zink. Is that dude was a hell of a fucking worker, but promo wise, he wasn't the greatest, and his baby face persona was just kind of boring. And everything I've ever heard about the guy, like he wasn't like a dick. But he wasn't like, I don't want to say, like, like he was, he, I don't want to say he was a dick, but he was kind of, everything I've read, he was kind of like a little high on himself. And if he didn't like what was mm-hmm. going on, he'd just fucking bounce, you know? So it's like, just let him be his actual personality, you know? Right. Everything I've read about the guy, I heard stories about him. He wasn't like a smiley bit. He wasn't like a smiley guy in the back. Like if he didn't like no. that, he just would fuck off, you know? <laughs> like, let, let him be that on TV. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And well, he goes over the Cuban assassin here by submission in his debut match in the NWA slash WCW. And again, once again, just like the SST and the Road Warriors, this match does its job. It establishes Z-Man and what his uh his character and everything's gonna be in the company. After that, we get an an award presented from the governor of South Carolina talking to Ric Flair about this day being Ric Flair day. And he says, whereas like 412 times. I know, but in my notes, I have governor Carol Campbell might be the coolest motherfucker ever in politics because he got styling and profiling in an official government document. proclamation. Like a proclamation. Like he's going over Ric Flair stuff and he's like, what was like six at this time? Flair was what, like six time world champion or yeah, whatever? Six time world champion. He's, like, he's going through the whole thing. He's like, six time world champion, a credit to the credit to the Carolinas. And he's been styling and profiling for years. It's like, yeah, he got it in there. 
like that, that's that's in a like that's in a document in like their hall of records right style <laughs> and profile. it's fucking cool man i know he didn't write it but is he still somebody got yeah got it in there and that dude that dude said it <laughs> i don't know if that guy's still yeah. alive but yeah I was like, dude, this dude's a pimp because he got styling and profiling in there. Um, <laughs> yes, he did. And it's Ric Flair Day in W or in uh, <laughs> South Carolina. Up next, it is Ranger Ross versus Sid Vicious. Now, my comment here is, uh, um, and it'll be a little bit of a discussion. I don't. I have never, and I. I guess I can say, all right, I guess I get it a little bit for somebody that might be a wrestling snob, but I've never got the hate on Sid. And I know the softball thing and all that, but I'm talking about in the ring, on TV, Sid was always, I mean, this crowd fucking loved that guy. And he had a look. That dude was always over. He was always over. There are very few, there are very few wrestlers in the history of the business, I'll say, that had a better look than Sid. Oh, Sid was, he's, we say it all the time. Like if you're going to draw the wrestler, like you tell somebody like doesn't know anything about wrestling and they're like, Hey, I'm, I need a, I need a picture of a wrestler. They're going to draw you like two or three different type of things. And one of the ones they're going to draw nine times out of 10 is somebody that looks like fucking Sid vicious. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I've always said that about Billy Gunn too. And I know we're not talking about Billy Gunn, but Billy Gunn looks like like if you tell somebody if you tell somebody that doesn't know anything about wrestling, describe to me a wrestler. They're gonna, they're going to describe to you like like somebody looks like Billy Gunn, somebody looks like Sid, you know that type of thing. And what I don't think Sid gets enough credit for either is the fact that yeah, was he the greatest wrestler in the world? Not not by a long shot, but he was impactful. People liked to see him. They were into him. And he had fucking charisma. Absolutely. And and one of the other great low-key, to me it's low-key because people don't bring it up enough, for the way that he presented himself and the character that he portrayed, he actually was a good promo. And I know people will go, what? He fucked up all the time. But that's what I'm saying. Crazy. Like, it's crazy. He's he's this wild, un, unbridled, gigantic, crazy man. So his promos fit him perfectly. Hence, he's a good promo. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, like when he was in the ring, he wasn't going to do anything flashy and everything like that. But you know what? I don't want him to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch Sid have a forty-five minute Mac classic. I want to watch right. Sid go out there, hit a guy, fucking powerbomb him, and bounce. You know what I mean? What he did right? And, yeah, exactly what he did right here with Ranger Ross, and the crowd loved all yeah. one minute and, and seconds of. <laughs> that's right. And um, nobody got Sid better than Vince. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And but. Um, and I, we're, I know we're going, we're, there's not a lot to talk about with the Ranger Ross match. So that's why I'm kind of right. bringing this up. Um, 
it's like when he went that that like I don't even know if it was four months or whatever, but that brief time that he was in ECW, like Paulie knew that's what these fucking people want to see. They don't want to see Sid going through tables. They don't want to see Sid doing this. They don't want to see Sid doing that. Like I, Sid would walk out in his jeans, powerbomb a couple people, do his blah, blah, blah thing, and then just yeah. walk out. <laughs> and that's what the fucking people wanted to see. And um, Lance Storm talks about it. Um, he said that Sid came in, like, he said that's what Sid would literally do. Like, he'd know about when his match was supposed to start or whatever, and he'd show up, pull up to the back of the arena, walk in, go to the ring, powerbomb whoever he was supposed to powerbomb, and then turn back around, walk out, get his money and get in his car and drive away. Like he didn't hang out in the locker rooms or anything right. like that. He just, that's like, he's like, he would literally walk in power bomb. Everybody turn around, walk back out. <laughs> hey, but he did his job. He did what he was asked to do. Like he said, like Lance said one time he walked in and he was like, he said, he looked at Lance and he was like, I forgot my elbow pad. Cause he like, you know, he's always wore the black elbow pad or whatever. So he's like borrowed lances for a second, went out there, did his thing, and then like walked out and like threw the elbow pad at Lance. Was like, "Thanks, guy," or <laughs> whatever. He just <laughs> went back out. He's like, "All right." <laughs> um, but but so there's not a lot about it. Um, but to sh- just to, uh, I wanted to make an example just to to let people know how over Sid was. Obviously, in the skyscrapers tag team, his partner was Dan Spivey, and literally. You can watch skyscraper matches where when Spivey's in, the people are just chanting, we want Sid. We want Sid. They don't care about Spivey. They don't care about the team. They just want to see Sid. And that speaks again to how over the guy fucking was. You can't take that away from him. Oh, and um, it's just like I said, a guy knew he, he was a guy that, and I also don't, I don't want to say it. I don't think he was a guy that would ever be like thinking that he was like the best wrestler in the world either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he understood he his job and this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think he knew not to upset the apple cart. And, and, a, and a prime example of it is when he went to work for Vince and Vince, I want to make you the new Hogan. And he was like, no, <laughs> like I, I don't want to do that. Like, and people are like, he was crazy for like not saying like Psycho said, but like Sid Udi is like, what? He's crazy. He doesn't want to be the next Hulk Hogan. I think that guy was like, I can't pull that shit off. Well, that and yeah, you know, and it also, also, <clears throat> he didn't want to have to work that hard and that much. You know, people can say what they want about Hogan criticizing his work or whatever, but he was there's a reason he was the biggest star in wrestling and in the, in the, because he was on the road, he was out there doing it every single night. He was, you know, and it takes, it takes a lot more work than people give credit Hogan credit for to be in the position Hogan was in. And it wasn't even just on the road for him. You know what no, I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's the added thing of Hollywood and talk shows and, and, and you know, and not that, public not appearances. And like I said, not that I'm, I'm sure he didn't complain about it and I'm, and, and I'm sure he loved doing it or whatever, but like, like make a wish and children's hospitals and 
like like you know like and i know this guy liked hogan but like kurt hennig you know what i mean he was on the road every mm-hmm. fucking night probably he was probably on the road more than hogan you know what i mean but he could get into a town and then not have to be at the arena till probably what noon Right. Like Hogan probably gets to town and then he's got to be up at fucking five o'clock in the morning because he's got to go on the morning zoo with Rob and Dick. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah. Peter in the butt and, and do this stupid fucking shit and then go on to the local news and then go to the children's hospital. And it's like, oh, hey, by the way, there's a there's a there's a, a VA with some injured soldiers. OK, well, I got to go to that. And, and, and like I said, not saying that Hogan probably. Not saying that Hogan's like, oh, I gotta go see a bunch of injured soldiers, you know what I mean? But that was his job. And mm-hmm. if I'm sit, I look at, I'd look at it and be like, nah, I'm good. And that's why like, that that's why. And, and I know Austin and The Rock were big draws, but as far as top guys, that's why probably. Let's be honest, the two best top guys in the history of the WWE slash WWF or Hogan and Cena because they yeah. were that they, that's what, you know, and I'm, again, I'm not taking anything away from the draw that, that rock was or Austin was, but as far as being a top guy and knowing what a top guy does and doing it 24 seven Cena and Hogan, you know, and I'm not, not, and I'm not knocking Austin either, but when Austin was the top guy, he had rock, he had Foley, mm-hmm. he had taker, Taker, yeah. Uh, Triple H, you know. Um, honestly, when Cena was the top guy, there wasn't like five other guys up there with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like yeah, he, and and it and it was a different business too by then. Because I mean, it, yeah, it, Orton it was, was there, and Orton was there, and Brock was there, and etc. But but Cena was the workhorse. Yeah, and he was the guy that was the face of that company and like i said when austin did it there was five other guys when hogan did it was probably one other guy and it was randy Mm -hmm. and and most of the time randy was a fucking heel you know what i mean but he was still he was still that guy like he was still up there with him or whatever but randy savage the macho king isn't going to be doing like make a wish things and shit like that you know yeah yeah and i mean they tried it with warrior but it turned out he was a douchebag so we're getting another yeah, it's, that was his character. But yeah, Sid, like I said, he knew what his he knew what his character was supposed to be. He didn't try to make it anything that it wasn't, and he would just go out. Th- he was he would just go out there, beat some ass, and fucking leave. He was like, to me, Sid's, Sid's an attraction. Mm-hmm. He's the he's the guy you put him out there. He does this shit, and is it going to be the greatest thing on TV? No, but he's the guy you could be like. If you think he's badass on your screen, you got to see him in person, man. Yep. You got to come out and see this guy. It's fucking nuts. And Ranger Ross well, sucked. <laughs> up next, we have a segment that shows Missy and Robin Green, of course, who is woman, on a shopping trip because they are co- kind of co- co-managing the Steiners at this point. And, um, I mean, I don't have a lot of notes on this. Missy and Robin go shopping. Yeah. Um the the story of the line the the storyline is basically um Robin Green is um basically taking advantage of 
of Rick Steiner because he's some kind of rube and he's she's she's taking his money and Missy is they I don't know if they ever came right out and said it, but her character is supposed to be dating Scotty and she's like, This ain't cool, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was a cool little angle to get um Robin Green slash woman onto the show. The only thing I didn't really like about it is I never I never liked Misty as being the nice the nice girl. You know what I mean? Yep. She's always just been either either the bimbo heel or like the trashy girl like she was when she was like with Sandman or knobs and sags. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Either 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 the bitch. I don't want to say it like that, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, like the bitch, like she was when she was with like Eddie Gilbert or whatever, or the trashy biker babe or whatever that type of thing. Babyface Missy was just kind of like, eh. Yeah. Still good to look at, but I don't, I don't like. I don't want to think about Missy Hyatt being nice. It's <laughs> like you're almost more attractive when you're being an asshole. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this leads into a world tag team title match between the Freebirds and the Steiner brothers. Of course, the Steiners are escorted by Missy Hyatt and Robin Green. One note that I have here is where's Michael Hayes' belt? Like Jimmy Garvin's got his belt on Michael. Oh, yeah. Like, I, that's in my notes, too. Like, where's Michael Hayes' belt? <laughs> yeah, like, where's his belt? <laughs> where's his belt? Like, he just forgot it. They were like, just go. Like, it would have been less. It would have been less um, noticeable if Jimmy wouldn't have wore his. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Like, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, if one of you doesn't have your belt, just neither one of you wear them. Yeah. Because this looks weird. <laughs> like, dude just lost his belt. This match, of course, is it's decent. Um, it starts out really hot. Um, the crowd's totally into it. Um, the Steiners are stiff, of course, during the match. Um, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It was fine. Yeah, um, I have a few notes on it. Um, one of them is, is Scott Steiner, because because I know I know he did like. Um, a little bit of like territorial stuff, but it was pretty quick. His his training to TV. So is he one of like the first guys? He's one of the like one of the first, his career was on television, like major television. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was only. What he he was he came into WCW in what late eighty eight or was it in eighty nine? I think it was late eighty eight. Okay, let me and he. I'm gonna check he, quick. he he started in eighty six. He started in eighty six because he had those matches with Wojo. I think in eighty six. Yeah. In 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 Detroit. So yeah, you might be right. I want to see when he debuted. That's okay. Give me a minute. Sure. Actually, he debuted in '87. Oh, okay. I thought it was '86. It was close to. It was June '87, but he was basically on television pretty much his entire fucking 
career, and that's insane to me. There's not a lot of guys like at that period. There weren't a lot of guys that you could say that about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, now it's a thing. There's guys that never even fucking work, and they have their first match on fucking Raw or whatever. Right? But, yeah. But before that, I'd say it would have been like maybe Kurt, or not before. You know what I mean? Like I. He used that as an example, like Hitler, but kind of the same type of thing of mm-hmm. this guy just got yeah, in there yeah. and was like, this guy's so fucking good. He doesn't need to be wrestling in fucking Memphis for four fucking years or five years. I think uh, Angle was only in Memphis for like maybe what, two months before they called him like that. But, and, and I think, like I said, Scott was. Until he got drop foot and got way too fucking muscular or whatever, he was never bad. Like it was like he was like a freak, and I just know I just thought of that. I don't know why it popped like why that popped into my head so many years later, but I'm like I don't. I just think this guy hit, did his entire fucking career on TV. It's fucking nuts. Well, and you said he, he made his wrestling debut in '87, and this is '89, and look how good he is already. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I'm sure it was helps. Working along, I'm sure it helps working alongside your brother, you know. Yeah, and 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 his brother was is and was is a well liked guy. Like I've never heard anybody say anything bad about uh, um, Rick, other than maybe kind of being a little bit of a bully. But I don't think Rick. That, well, I, no, I was going to say other, other than a few taters here and there. But I don't think he was like a malicious bully. I just think he was. He thought it, he he. I don't think he was being malicious in his mind when he was doing stuff. I just think he thought it was funny, you know. But mm-hmm. um, um, that had to help. Like everybody likes his brother, you know. And uh, um, he obviously and um, I, like I said, I'm I'm trailing off here, but just. The, the Steiner brothers in general are just freak athletes and Scotty was just on another fucking level. Another fucking level. The things that fucking dude could do wasn't like that guy, that Steiner screwdriver. That's the, one of the scariest goddamn moves I've ever seen in my life. Like there's, there's a reason you don't, you don't see very much of it because there was probably, it, it would take a, it would take a, badass human being to be able to be like sure do that to me you know what right. i mean but it takes it even more, it takes an even more badass human being to be able to do that and just not fuck every person up that he does it to you know mm-hmm. like like i don't want to say it's the same type of thing because it's different but it is kind of the same you you talked about kurt um to me he's like the Brock of his generation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just a sick, sickly natural athlete that can do pretty much anything. Yeah. And obviously he wasn't as, he's not as big as he wasn't as big as Brock was, but, but like Brock Lesnar, if you don't want to go, you're going to go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't want you to do something to him, you're not going to do it. And fucking Scott Steiner was the, exact way but more 
more compact, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. And there is there is one spot, and I want to give some credit where credit's due. I know you're not this biggest fan in the world, but fucking um, Jimmy Garvin takes a hell. He takes like a Bret Hart fucking turnbuckle bump, and then takes a hell of a belly to back suplex in this fucking match. Mm-hmm. It was like super impressive. And and talking about the Freebirds, I would have been a bigger fan of Mike Hayes and Jimmy Garvin as a tag team if they would have been something other than the Freebirds. Because to I me, that's they're not the Freebirds. Yeah, just be something I, I, I agree. else. Just be something else. Like I didn't like, like I didn't like when they did like the glam rock thing. It's like the Freebirds aren't glam. You know, they're whiskey drinking, smoking cigarettes jeans mm-hmm. and their fucking hairy listen bellies hanging out like that's what listen to the 38 special <laughs> yeah they're the guys at the bar you know what i mean they're not the fucking goddamn johnny glitter or whatever who's a fucking rock and roll rock and roll hey that guy that's like oh gary glitter know, yeah they're gary glitter well they're definitely not gary glitter because they weren't into like kitty <laughs> porn but you know what i'm saying like they're not the New York Dolls. They're fucking Leonard Skinner. You know, does, does that make sense? Oh yeah. So they should have just been something else, and I think they would have been much more acceptable to me because I like both guys. I just to me that wasn't the Freebirds. The uh, the finish comes here when somebody we know who it is, Robin Green. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Trips one of the Steiners. Was it Scotty? Who she tripped? Yeah. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, because Scotty got Scotty's the one that got pinned. Okay. He got and uh, the Steiners are unsuccessful in this tag team championship match because of that. Now there's an argument outside the ring whether Missy or um, or Robin tripped Scott, and they're you know she did it, she did it, she did it. And um, that's how we end this match. Again, a good match. Intrigue at the end. Trying to figure out which woman is the traitor. And uh, we know ultimately that it's going to be Nancy. But um, that's to come. Next match, Norman the Lunatic versus Flying Brian Pillman. (laughs) What? You said that's to come. I was like, it's coming. (laughs) I'm traumatized. Yeah, it's Flying Brian versus Norman Lunatic with Teddy Long, and Teddy Long has the stupid giant key that's the the key to Norman's fucking insane asylum. And I know sometimes you're like, this is where Aaron and I, this is where Aaron and I part ways, like whenever we bring up fucking Bill Irwin. But this is where Nate and I part ways. I never, ever liked Mike Shaw. Any incarnation of him, not a fan. The a couple of sure, notes I have about hell of a guy. Nice dude. You know, funny and everything, but I, I just trucker Norman, Norman the lunatic, Fryer Ferguson, Mar. It's like get this fucking pump off my TV. <laughs> there was a uh there was a high cross body in this match that could have went badly. Did you notice that one? Yes. Yeah. 
That that could I was when I was watching that I was like, "Ooh, that could have went much worse than it did." That was the thing with Pillman, man. I've seen a lot of shit when he, at this point in his career, that dude would just fling himself and and hope for the best. Yeah, like I, like I, Sabu, I think, yeah, yeah. But I just think he was. How do I want to say it? Like he would just go so fast that it was like. Sometimes I don't. I don't think sometimes Brian Pillen knew how good he fucking was. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and and it was just he's re- was he's so, wrestling he's wrestling a match, and it doesn't matter who the opponent is because he's just wrestling yeah. a match on his own. Yeah. You better me because I'm gonna fling myself, and um, he was so goddamn good. And um, Jim Ross was his biggest supporter in in, in the whole sport. And um, Pillman's DVD for WWE is one of the most underrated DVDs, and um, like he talks about it, like Pil- when we were just talking about Brock being like, uh, or Scotty kind of being like Brock, Pillman was kind of like Angle. Like, he wasn't a wrestling fan. You know, he wanted to play, it, it was different. Like, he didn't want to wrestle, like, amateur wrestling. He wanted to be football, and he couldn't do football anymore. So he got into wrestling, and he was just, from the start, was just fucking a natural at it. And took mm-hmm. the business in like a sponge. And uh, I don't know what show we were on earlier, but we were talking this got brought up what shows that this guy was so fucking good was that he was not very far in his career and he had he had rick flair being like i want to work with that kid like that's the kid i want to work with him you know that's my guy and and shit like that and like i said pillman it was fucking nuts how goddamn good he was i i i honestly and, and i know he got ended up getting and hurt or whatever, but I'd, I'd put him on the same level as I'd put like Owen Hart. And Owen Hart was like ingrained in the business, you know what I mean? But just mm-hmm. the he was a high fucking flyer, but he didn't look like he wasn't 122 pounds, you know what I mean? He yeah. looked like he could do that style of wrestling, but he could also get in the ring and work with Lex Luger and not look like right. not look out of place, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it was nuts how fucking good he was. And, like, I was actually entertained by a fucking Norman Lunatic match. That's what I'm getting at. So, well, Pillman, crazy. Pillman hits a sick drop kick during this match. He gets a body slam on Norman. Winds up going over with the crucifix. And uh, what I would say is is a good, a good, um, a good showcase for Brian Pillman here on uh, Clash of the Champions. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it was a stinker because it was good. Yes, and then, then we get. Uh, to... oh, well, they did like the little like I said, they did the post match thing with fucking Teddy showing him like Norman getting mad, and then Teddy showing him the big key, and it's like Ugh, this is trash. It's like we went uh, anyway. Go ahead. And of course, another interview with uh, Gordon Soley interviewing Gary Hart. The intrigue about how there's problems within Hart's camp during the show building to the main event. Then we get a match between Mike Rotunda and Steve Dr. Death Williams, which my notes are too long. Williams wins. Yeah, it did go too long, um, but it was also, um, 
it was also the blow off of their feud. So as far as I know, I don't remember a lot of that after this, but that was, it was, it was the culmination of a feud. So that's why I kind of give it a little bit of a leeway on how long it was. Um, um, Doc military pressed a grown man, a grown ass man five times though. That's insane. Um, Cornette did a re- he had a really good call in this match. I don't know if you caught it, but he talked about I probably didn't. College. I did I probably honestly I probably didn't because the match kind of lost me. So well he, he was talking about all their collegiate stuff, you know, because they had been in the varsity club and they broke up and everything like that. And he went through all their college um accolades or whatever, being apart from each other, but he goes but but the one thing is because they became the world tag team champions and it's like that's how you do that's how you bring in people's sports background you know what i mean like mm-hmm. oh they did all this great stuff in college and in, on the field and on the on the on the wrestling mats but the greatest thing they did was become the world tag team champions together and that's why this makes this so bittersweet yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it was it was it was it was it was cool See, that was a little cool call from Cornette. Because like I was, why is he just talking about their collegiate shit and not their feud? And then he wrapped it up in a nice little bow. And I'm like, that's why Cornette was fucking good. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, and I, I know, I, I know, I'm probably not saying you're not a fan, but I know I'm probably a bigger fan of Doctor Death mm-hmm. than you are. So anytime, anytime I get some Doctor Death, I'm like, yeah, all right. This is just gonna be good. I like that guy. Couldn't cut a promo to save his soul, but fucking watching him work. He was he's the guy like I was saying with Sid, and he was a better worker than Sid, but he's like, This is a guy that you fucking believe in. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe that this yep. guy is as bad as what they say he is. You know, and that's why Watt that's why Watts loved him. Yep. Up next we get a Lex Luger promo. Well, Lex Luger trips through a promo. Um <laughs> as Gordon Sully holds the microphone. Dr. Death won that match, by the way. We didn't mention No, no, I did. I said too long Williams wins. <laughs> okay. I also like Luke, the fact that Rotunda tried Rotunda tried to attack him after the match and it did not work. Didn't work, yeah. yeah. Like I said, we get a uh, we get a promo from Luger talking about how he's the showpiece in wrestling. He's the best looking wrestler. He's the best wrestler. He stumbles through this. Um, he didn't say allocades in this one, but it's Lex Luger versus Tommy Rich, and uh, the, he did, he did uh, the 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 uh, like what Shivani says says all the time. Like Shivani's like all the Luger's promos. Extend your pointer finger and your thumb. Um, bring it across the camera. Adjust your tights. Point at your dick. Like <laughs> that's all. He- <laughs> Every <laughs> do the L, adjust your toys, point at your dick. Every day. Like, and it's funny. After he said it, after he said it, I can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Like, but yeah, it's Lex Luger, the U.S. champion here against Tommy Rich. Lex Luger's theme in WCW, one of my favorite theme musics of all time. I love that fucking theme song. Love it. That was one thing like, that NWA 
NWA at this time, and that's one thing they were like, they had on point, man. They had good fucking music. Like, like Luger, like, Luger, Luger. This 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 theme music for Luger. I bob my head to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm like, <laughs> Luger's music was the shit. Um, Doom's music was fucking pimp. Um, um, Sting, like the da 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 it's like that fucking ruled and then when they would use outside music you know what i mean like i was just saying like with with the fucking smo and swat team them coming out to halloween it fucking worked um lagrange for barry Windham, that fucking worked like wcw was on point with their music man in my Mm -hmm. opinion not a lot to write about the match between luger and tommy rich uh luger wins the match and then uh this is the one that I thought was too long, and, and this might this also might be a this might be a stupid note, but I was like, in this match, it's um, a match versus one guy that looks like a wrestler and one guy that actually is a wrestler. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you could take Tommy Rich and give him Lex Luger's body, good lord, yeah, <laughs> drop a fucking package to that, yeah. But um, this was a weird time for Tommy Rich. Like, I don't know. It's just like I, they were trying to do something with a guy that they, I don't So I'm trying to say, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but it's like his career is like the white meat baby face had passed. Like, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but. Oh, it's true because he he kind of he kind of he kind of gets it back once they put him in the York Foundation. You know, it's like oh, it was time for him to be a heel. Yeah, and it's like we're trying to go back to he was the NWA champion. Well, he's the NWA champion for seven fucking days. But anyway, um, hit that style of babyface was done on a. You can't do that style of babyface on a national. On a national level, mm-hmm. you know, and he yep. shouldn't have had this long. Of, he shouldn't have had this long of a match with Lex Luger. I think. Well, after this match, to another Gary Hart promo. Now he has a doctor's note um, on why Terry not- Funk won't be here. What's that? Uh, go ahead. Sorry. And we get a, a promo from Terry Funk from the hospital room. And of course, it's good. There's never a bad Terry Funk promo. Nope. And uh, how they're, they're talking about how Terry Terry Funk is not going to be there tonight to be in the main event tag match, which is what Sully has been trying to get to all night, to try to, try to crack that nut on Gary Hart and get that, that reveal. And I understand why they did it the way they did it. You want to build anticipation through the program. <laughs> you missed it. There's like a perfect thing right there. It's not crack that nut. The thing with this show is bust that nut. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> and then this is something I alluded to earlier in the show that I was going to get to when, when we got to it. We get a promo between Ric Flair and Sting. And here's my point, and you tell me if I'm wrong. 
Ric Flair and Sting at this point, both baby faces, they're teaming up against the heels. They're the two biggest stars in WCW. I understand why WCW put them together as a team. Me personally, Nate Maxson, myself, never, ever, ever liked it when they would put Flair and Sting on the same side. To me, Flair and Sting are two guys that should never be on the same side of anything. It just doesn't work. They just are natural enemies. I I agree. But um, at this point, they were doing it for a reason. They were doing it because Flair had all the intention in the world of putting over Sting and putting the belt on him. So the story they were going to tell was that Sting and Flair got together. Flair wanted to be with Sting. And with the, the story they were getting to was that Flair was trying, trying to befriend Sting and get him into get him into the fold because he didn't want to wrestle. You know, like that whole clash mm-hmm. of the champions. Like that was him being like, oh, shit, I'd rather have this guy on my side than against me. And it was supposed to be Flair working Sting to keep him in his camp so he didn't challenge him for the belt. And then he ended up getting the shot, and that's when they get to. Um, but it's two clashes after this, where that's the only thing of the only reason we're not beating. The only reason you're not dead right now is because this guy saved you, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're not a horseman. Um, like, like he's like that ship sailed. You're not a horseman now. You're done. But we're not beating you up. We're gonna give you to the end of the show. You know, to not take the title shot. And if they don't take the title shot, we're, we're not going to hurt you. And then Doug Dillinger hurt him. And the whole fucking thing got destroyed. Like, the actual initial story of these guys being together was actually, if they would have played out, would have been really fucking cool. But, um, like I said, happenstance and everything like that. Fucking, mm-hmm. um, that's why when they did that match with Luger and, and Flair, um, Sting ended up coming out, and Luger ended up getting counted out because he wanted to save his buddy. And they told the story of, oh, Luger put his friendship above Sting, you know, or put his friendship with Sting above winning the belt. And it's because they wanted they wanted Flair to lose to Luger. And he's like, no, the whole purpose of this was to lose to Sting, and I'm not losing right. my belt to anybody but Sting. And, and like I said, they lost traction because Sting fucked his knee up or whatever. But if if it would have played out the way it was supposed to, I think it would be an even bigger angle. And I think Sting's first run would have been a bigger would have been a bigger story and talked about more. But instead I got pushed back a fucking year and we wound up with a goddamn black scorpion and yeah. It was bad. Well the match is Dick Slater taking oh, Terry Funk's place. I, I, I do have a note. Sorry. Oh, sure. About the, about the interview, um, Gordon um, does the interview, and then he kind of gets st- he stumbles over himself a little bit. I think he might have been been hitting the sauce a little bit throughout the <laughs> throughout his downtime because he stumbles over what he's going to do, and he says he stumbles over what he's going to say, and then he says, "Let's send it up to ring announcer Gary Caputa." I didn't because catch that. Gary Caputa. Gary Caputa. Gary Caputa. The best the best thing with the best uh mispronunciation of Capetta's name ever 
I love that Jesse would call him Kapetsky. Kapetsky. Let's go up to Gary Michael uh, Kapetsky. Um, Kapetsky said he hated Vince. Listen to an interview with him. And um, I think Jim Ross interviewed him. And it was Jim Ross because he said he was doing like announcing for WWF and then he'd do independent announcing and then he'd pick up when NWA would be in the area. And he said he felt like a whore kind of basically because like he'd be presenting all these wrestling, like the wrestling is, this is the best shit, like getting the crowd hyped up. Like, are you ready for the best wrestling? And he's like, I'm saying this on everything that I'm on. And um, yeah, I think for WWF, he did Allentown. Yeah. And Ross asked him why he decided to like not pursue WWF and go with the NWA. And he basically said, Vince was a dick to me. And um, like, he said he'd never say my name, like on TV. Like, he'd just be like, let's go up to the rig announcer. You know? He's like, like, but but you and other people would be like, let's send it to Gary Michael Capetta and let's send it up to the world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Capetta. He's like, but Vince McMahon, he's like, he said for some reason, he just thinks Vince fucking hated him. He'd never <laughs> mention his fucking name. He'd say the name of any other ring announcer, like, let's go up to the Fink or let's go up to uh, Joe McHugh, you know, like Ooh. all those guys. But And like he said, he tried to like talk to Vince, like, you know, backstage or whatever and Vince would just fucking blow him off and then he'd see Vince over there talking to somebody else he's like I don't know what it was but fucking Vince hated me <laughs> weird <laughs> yeah but yeah it's Dick Slater and the great Muda against Sting and Ric Flair in our main event here at the Clash of the Champions um <laughs> sorry in my notes I was like if you're gonna re- place terry funk in a match you booked you might as well use dick slater yeah that's in my notes too i mean he's basically uh, my, no- <laughs> my, no- my notes say with terry funk not here you may not notice because dick slater just is, is just doing his terry yeah. funk the whole we'll just cosplay we'll just use cosplay punk punk cosplay punk <laughs> cosplay funk yeah yep so we had the same note there too and we're not we're not hating on dick slater here folks just saying, uh, I, I, he's he's one of those he's one of those guys that I put as hell of a worker. Enjoyed him as a wrestler, trash bag human being. But I mean, he attacked a woman with a butcher knife for Christ's sake. Yeah. <laughs> you want to listen um, to a good crime and listen to Dick Slater crime and sports? It's nuts. Um, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna uh, run down a little bit of the. Uh, the thing here, because essentially in this match, Sting gets blinded by Muda's mist. Um, the yellow mist. Yes, the yellow mist, which isn't that the most dangerous? No, the black mist is the most dangerous mist. No, no. They discuss the mist. And they bring it up earlier in the match, and they're talking about the mist, and they talk about, we've seen the red mist and the black mist. Then they're talking about this yellow mist, which has never been seen on U.S. soil, and it's the most dangerous of all the mist. And then eventually, Sting ends up getting the yellow mist. But guess what shot they miss? Sting getting the, the yellow shot. mist. <laughs> it's behind Muda, and the commentators have to be like, "Oh, it was the yellow mist," but you don't actually see it. 
Um, Turns out it's spicy mustard. That's why it blinded him. It's Grey Poupon. But, um, um, and by the way, just as, just as a side note, that's, that's another thing that, that is, and I think that's because as we get older, we notice these things and we've watched, we've watched the progression of wrestling over. I mean, for me, I've been watching since like 83, Jesus Christ. So almost 40 years. Um, but there are, there are two voices of Jim Ross that, and, and it's just, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's this Jim Ross. He got him with the mist. Yeah. And then there's this Jim Ross, the more dignified yeah, Jim Ross. There, there's, there's, um, and I'm, I'm not even trying to say it's pre Bell's palsy and post Bell's palsy. I'm just saying there's like no, there, young, there, there's young, hungry Jim Ross and then there, elder states vibrant. There's young, vibrant Jim Ross, and then there's curmudgeoned. All my heroes have let me down. Jim Ross. <laughs> like all the people that I've been saying for years, this is a great guy. I've ended up doing horrible things. And by the end of it, he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> by the shit. end of by the end of it, he's like, it's Wednesday night. You know what that means. That means. Gee, I haven't, I've watched AEW like last couple weeks, and he ain't been on it. Where's he at? They relegated him. I think he does Rampage or something now. They moved him down the card, if you will, for excrement. That doesn't make any sense. But, um... Um, if you're gonna do that, I'd rather just have fucking Tony Schiavone and Taz. But anyway, that's neither here. Yeah, nor Excali- Excalibur brings oh. nothing to the table. Yeah. Um. How do I say about Excalibur? What I think Excalibur would be good. What I think he does, I shouldn't even say does good. What I think, I think I know what that guy does a lot for that broadcast team. And you know what it is? Research. I think he's their note. Yeah, he's their note guy. He's like Taz. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know Taz is younger than a lot of those guys, but he doesn't know anything about fucking Dragon's Gate, this, that, or the other fucking thing. Tony Schiavone don't fucking care. Like he's getting <laughs> a check. And 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 I know he's taking a bigger role since he's got in there or whatever. But but I think that's what. Excalibur does for those guys, and if they get lost in, in the sauce on some of these moves or past things or whatever, he can kind of um, pick up the slack on that. But he shouldn't be a fucking lead announcer. Should not be a lead announcer. No. But that's either here or there. Um, but like I said, they like they own Ring of Honor now, right? Yes. Right. So fucking mm-hmm. that Riccaboni dude in there. Oh yeah, he's but fantastic. Like, yeah, I'd rather have that guy on my fucking dynamite show and fucking Excalibur. But anyway, we're getting away from the match. I have a couple notes if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way you can know if Ric Flair is working as a babyface at the at that time is if he ends up. Um, 
pulling off the move of top rope move off of the ass over tea kettle. Like only babyface Ric Flair hits that move. He's <laughs> that's the only time he can flip over, climb up, and hit the axe handle is if he's a babyface. If he's a heel, never works. Never works. Um, but I just farted. But it worked right here. Um, another note is, um, and I'm talking about. I'm not talking about now because I think Nakamura would be on this level. Okay. But is Muda one of and and I say this when I say this I mean because there's a lot of, there was a lot of Japanese wrestlers but they weren't actually like Jap like Fuji wasn't Japanese you know what I mean he's poly whatever but is he the Japanese guy of this era that fucking got it about this country Oh yeah yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, like he's he he's the. And I know what you're saying about Nakamura, and I agree, Nakamura is fantastic, but I will say, the greatest wrestler that was Japanese to come to the states and wrestle here is Muda. Muda is the greatest Japanese wrestler in American wrestling history, and I love Nakamura, but it's Muda all day long. Well, and I'm saying that, but I, what I'm saying is like, um, I don't even mean like just Japanese wrestler. I mean, he's like the guy that understood how to take his character and and work and adapt it and work it into like the American style of wrestling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll say this, and and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Um is a better wrestler than the great Muda, in my opinion. Who? But Jushin Liger is a better okay. wrestler than great Muda, but he didn't adapt his style to the American style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't take his character and be like, okay, I'm going to take the Jushin Liger character and how would Jushin Liger wrestle the American style? He was like, I'm going to be Jushin Liger and I'm going to do the Japanese style in America. Right. Muda... Yeah. Muda was like, I know how to, I know how to do this, and I'm gonna, I don't want to say dumb it down because he didn't dumb it down, but I can take my style, slow it down, and incorporate it to work with any any wrestler that you put me in the ring with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I would want to see Jushin Liger work with fucking Dick Slater, or right. I wouldn't even want to see Jushin Liger work with Sting. You know what I mean? But Muda mm-hmm. knew how to do that shit, and yep. Um, I think they also, WCW, in my opinion, did miss the boat in not turning him into a baby face. Like, I think the same Muda team, they left money on the fucking table, never, never doing that. Oh, oh yeah. The fans wanted to cheer Muda. They wanted him to be a baby yeah. face. Yeah. And, and him and Stang. Like going up against a fucking horseman, that would have been cool as shit. Like, like, I know it's it might sound dumb, but like, like one night they come out and Sting has Muda's paint. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. he spits the mist. Or or there's some night where Sting where Muda comes out and he's got Sting's paint. You know what I mean? That that type yeah. of thing. I think they I think they missed the ball on it. And there's a picture out there. Um 
and they did it kind of like i don't say goofing around or whatever but i don't think it was ever made to be public but years later it just wound up out there it was like a picture of them together like they were a team and it's like these guys fucking look like they belong together (laughs) and i just i think they missed the boat not i think they missed the boat not making him a face and actually putting a putting the belt on him at some point you know like later on they did but that's when it became like the big gold international nwa championship or whatever it's like what the fuck is going on but i think they could have done a lot more with them in my opinion like eventually he just missed he just missed fucking gary hart that would have fucking blew the house that blew the fucking house up you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's my opinion no no i totally agree there were there were there were boats missed if you will with muda and I totally agree with you about him adapting to the American style better than any Japanese wrestler ever. Like him and like even more than fucking Kabuki, you know, Mm -hmm. but he was also 10 times the worker than, than Kabuki. And I'm not even knocking Kabuki, but 10 times the worker thing because I can't even knock Kabuki because how much did Muda take from Kabuki? You know what I mean? Like the oh, yeah. pants, the mix, all that shit. But he took. I don't it, remember he when Kabuki. he first when he first came to the states. Did they bill him as Kabuki's kayfabe son or nephew? Because he was actually was they 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 kayfabe that he was he was related to to uh, Kabuki. Yeah, and he was like he, he was like he was like the white ninja or something like that, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, and, and um, I think it was Cornette talked about it that that he was just a charismatic dude too. Like, like he'd go in them WCW offices, and all the chicks were like, all about like when fucking Muda'd show up because he was like smooth, and they thought he was good looking, and and he and he act like he spoke, he, he act like he didn't know English, and was like confused or whatever. Like, oh, I don't know these cards. Yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> chicks would be helping him out, and shit. So yeah, oh, I, I mean, I just. Yeah. Oh, oh McDonald's! No, sorry. Oh, McDonald's <laughs> Burger Burger King. <laughs> the other guy that did that was so that uh, oh, who was it? So they would do that was Tajiri. I think, who yeah, Tajiri. Tajiri would Tajiri would act like he did. I, I don't remember who said it, but he would act like he couldn't speak English when somebody was talking to him about something he didn't want to talk about. Or whatever, yeah, like pay oh, oh, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, no, no. But then, but then they get in the car. They get in the car and he'd be like, "I want Burger King." Like, yes. <laughs> put on, put on Dr. Dre. <laughs> I want. They just be like, "I." Oh, oh. Then they get in the car and be like, "Get, let's go to Burger King." Like, what the fuck? You can speak English. I can't remember who it was. That's gonna drive me nuts now. Me neither. Right. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, because I remember that. I remember that. Like the stories. Yeah. Well, this uh, this thing ends pretty much disqualification. Like we said, Sting is blinded by the yellow mist, and then oh, big big shocker here. Terry Funk is in the building, and he yes, does something and- that got that got WCW in some hot water with TBS. Yeah. Before we talk about that, I've said this a couple of times, and I know I'm a bigger WCW mark than you are, you know, especially at this time. 
but WCW for some reason always had to have one to two people on every one of their shows in a tuxedo. <laughs> like, why is Terry Funk wearing a tuxedo? <laughs> right. <laughs> there, or like when Doom got in, like, there was like, I can't remember what show it was, but they got in a confrontation with the fucking Steiner brothers and they're wearing tuxedos. It's like, what's going on? Like, I, anyway, go ahead. I know what you're going to talk about. Yes, yes, Terry Funk comes out and he puts a pretty much a a garbage bag over Ric Flair's head and is suffocating Ric Flair, which in the context of being a wrestling fan and watching Terry Funk and Ric Flair, this shit is fucking awesome, okay? This is fantastic wrestling right here. This is great stuff. TBS... Not so happy with it. <laughs> like this, this is a great angle for a territory. This, which is I don't, a great I know, I don't, I've never understood. I'm sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but I've never understood okay. Turner's standards and practices when it comes to wrestling. Because right after this, they probably showed a movie, like an action movie, where 15 people get mowed down by machine guns and shit. I never understand. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't understand it either. But I also, I could also understand as being like an executive that doesn't know anything about the fucking shit that you're watching it, and you're like, "Holy shit!" He just put a bag over his head and tried to suffocate him. What if some kid does this <laughs> to his brother? And then he's like, oh, I saw it on the Clash of the Champions and Ric Flair was all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. so I understand it from the corporate side of it. But it, my thing is, if you want to be the corporate and you want to have, how do I say it? If you don't want that potential type stuff, don't have that product. You know what I mean? Yep. But if you're going to have that product, because even if you're not, even is. if you're not a, even if you're not a wrestling fan, wrestling's in the ether. You know what it is, you know. Yeah. So but yeah, I, so I just I get it. Re- reading reading <laughs> that that, sorry, but reading that um, and I, I'll once again say it to anybody that hasn't read it. One of my favorite wrestling books of all time is that the Nitro book by Guy Evans, and reading that book puts so much more perspective for me for the 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 hurdles and the obstacles WCW had because it really gets into the minutia of the corporate bullshit that they had to deal with. Yeah they couldn't um, say foreign objects they had to say international object. Mm-hmm. And just I mean just people Yeah there's so much there's so much that they had to that they had to skirt around. Vince got very lucky that he dealt with the USA network because he dealt with, he dealt with television executives that were much more in tune with, I mean, obviously, and he was also lucky it was his own company and not owned by the television company. Um, that so and, can and, and rights and stuff, but Bonnie hammer as an example, you know, she was there with Vince going, yes, I know what you're doing. Yes. I understand. And, and, and it, it kind of got away from him after, after she left she was like his biggest advocate over there, you know, and that's why they ended up leaving and going to 
Spike or TNT was it TNN at the time or whatever. TNN and then Spike, like, yeah. Yeah, that's why that happened. But um, Bonnie Hammer, she was his biggest advocate because she was a USA person. And that there was a time where if USA Network didn't have WWF on their on their network, USA wouldn't have been a thing. You know, yeah. like that was all they fucking that was their anchor. Like that's what mm-hmm. they fucking had. She was like, Oh, that's why this happy. Oh, yeah, that's why that's why so there were they what I want to say. That's why they integrated so much of their other programming into WWF programming. You know, yeah. WWF would talk about silk stockings and talk about all these other things because they knew people were fucking watching this. This is our this is our 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 springboard to get them to watch the other shit. What's yeah. what's and, our new big um, sh- what's our new big show we want to push? Silk stockings. Okay, let's put it on right after Monday Night Raw. Yeah, and also, um, time cop. If <laughs> I think WCW would have had more um, leeway too. And I know people can say what they want to say about him, but and I understand why he didn't, because Ted was running a corporation and he can't micromanage every little fucking thing in his bit. He couldn't micromanage every little thing in his business, because if he would have done that, he wouldn't have been the successful businessman that he. Ted Turner did something great that a lot of people don't understand. He was like, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. I just need to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, do I know about this? No, but I can get Find this guy. The guy that uh, knows the most about it. Yeah, and because he, I'll give him credit in this aspect. He never, um, he never discounted wrestling. He was like, man, wrestling was. I wouldn't have this fucking network if it wouldn't have been for wrestling. And he was smart wrestling, enough to re- know that shit. Re- that shit was tailspin. Re- he was like, buy it. Buy it. If I if this goes out of business and I don't have it, I'm fucked. All I, now all I got wrestling. is Andy Griffith. Wrestling, wrestling and the Braves. Yeah. If I lose either one no. of those, I'm fucked. Yep. And and um, part of me wishes that Ted would have just been like, the one thing that I'm going to be the guy on is the fucking wrestling show. You know, I, I, you guys can, you guys can manage anything else you want, but I'll be the guy that's in charge of the fucking, not, not even in charge of it. Just the guy that says we can do this. We do that. Veto this veto that. I think it would have been a different story. Like if, if Ted would have just been the executive guy that had the last say, instead of putting fucking, uh, what's it? What's the guy? Uh, Bill Dunn and fucking Jim Hurd. Instead of putting putting those guys in there, if Ted would have just been that guy, it would have been a different thing. Mm-hmm. I might I might be in left field on that, but but like you're saying, it was it was a really fucking cool angle. It looked good on TV, and it's just as a wrestling angle it's fucking awesome but from a corporate aspect i can also see their side of it of holy shit just <laughs> put a bag over that guy's fucking head like it was and attempted then, murder but, but i'm gonna play devil's advocate and be like up next terminator but anyway that was clash of the champions eight aaron overall what did you think of this clash um 
I gave it a B plus. I enjoyed the show. Um, as I was watching it and taking notes and everything like that, I wasn't just I I in my mind I wasn't like oh this is a fucking chore, you know what I mean? It was like this is it's good shit and nothing was really bad. But if it was bad, the bad was out very much outweighed by the good. So I enjoyed it. Um, I think the best match was Sting and Flair versus Slater and Muda, obviously. Um, the worst match was Pillman and Norman just because Norman was in it. That's the only reason it was bad. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't anything really shitty on the show, in my opinion. And I'm right the there with you because I, yeah, I'm right there the with you because I, I, you gave it a B plus, I gave it an A minus. So we're right, right about the same, the same spectrum there with it. Um, so overall, a good show, Clash of Champions 8. And I would like to let everybody know before we sign off that our next kind of series of, of shows, so we did the PWI 500, the initial one that took us like 10 weeks. And then we had the Hall of Shame. The Hall of Fame, of course, will be coming up in January. But coming up next, we're going to do five weeks of shitty pay-per-views. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Plan off the Hall of Shame. Yeah, we're going to talk about, if you guys want to watch them, um, Nate, you I tell advise, me. I, I advise one. you. I advise you don't. But if you want to, go ahead. We're going to watch the UWF Blackjack Brawl, WWA. That's um, World Wrestling All Stars out of Australia's Eruption Pay Per View. That's the worst one they ever did. We're also going to watch uh, Fall Brawl '95, um, ECW Dis- December to Dismember, and what was the other one? December to Dismember, Fall Brawl 95, Eruption, um, the Black, it was a Blackjack Brawl, yes. Yeah, that's next week. And the other one is, sorry, folks, New Blood Rising, WCW. Oh, yeah. New, New Blood, Blood Rising. Rising. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be. I'm going to start, I'm going to start every one of these episodes like, God damn it. Welcome to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. <laughs> or do like Gilbert at that fucking show we were at. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Welcome to the Weekend Wrestle Podcast. <laughs> I just was like, man, we did that PWI 500 and there was some funny stuff in there. And we did Hall of Shame. It's like, yeah, we're going into the holidays. Let's just have some fun and just watch some garbage a good time. It's like we always say, bad wrestling is good wrestling because yes. I don't know. It's just I don't know. It's just fun to like like there's an idea that I have for a show, folks, for next year, starting next year. Um, I want to kick off a show where we're gonna literally watch the last die the last year of a dying promotion. You know, week to week. Let's just watch the last year of world class championship wrestling or whatever. WCW yes. or yeah, that, but anyway, comedy is what you call it, like the comedy of wrestling or whatever. Yeah, it's wrestling with comedy. Yeah, this will be our trial run. We'll see how that goes. I wanted to. Well, uh, I don't know. I just wanted to. Do, I want to do some creative writing with my notes. It's gonna be fun. 
So now we will sign off, and I want to encourage everybody to listen to any of the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, including including Aaron's show, The Year That Was, dot, dot, dot. Uh, if You Smell What the Arch is Cooking with our buddy Archie Mitchell, Mark Sidney Spotlight, and of course, Reliving the Extreme as we go through the yeah. history of ECW with Chad Austin. Uh, it's a great show every single week. Check it out if you haven't. So I'm going to sign off here. And uh, we look forward to five weeks of shitty pay-per-views, <laughs> our next series here on the We Can't <laughs> Wrestle podcast. And that being said, everybody, have a great week. And we'll see you next week with, let's start with the UWS. That's Blackjack Blackjack. Oof. i myself psyched up for that to watch it this yes. week so we can review it next week. And we'll see you next week, everybody, with the Blackjack Brawl. Good luck to all of us. Thank <laughs> you.